Technology's great, isn't it? It's cool when um, cool when it does something you've never seen it do before. <laughs> I'll be with you in just a moment. Hey, God is good. Amen. <coughs> it's nice to be to be back home and and to be uh, be preaching again here. Good. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you guys. You know, we've been blessed amazingly, absolutely amazingly. And, and I wonder if we can just say thank you to Amy for what she's done this morning. Wasn't that an, a, a wonderful just platform she gave to us to be able to worship, to give our hearts? You know, from wherever we are, and Andrew's poem brought out that wherever we are in life, um, situations, good or bad, but we can choose to worship God, and, and I'm just so grateful for this church, for the heart for worship that's in, in the musicians and the people, and the heart to worship that's in you, and I believe God is incredibly, incredibly favoured towards you, favoured towards you because of that heart that goes, God, I just, I really want to connect with you today. Whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, that desire where you wake up and you think, God. You know, when your thoughts are, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, another day. God loves that. It draws the attention of heaven upon us. Sandra and I have been blessed, and uh, we've been, been incredibly blessed to be able to go to America and to Europe and to see things pertaining to faith. Some things are of history, and there was a lot of that, but some things were just um, current, now situations in faith. And, and God really took us on three different adventures while we were away. And I want to just speak a little bit about each of the adventures for a few weeks so that you can catch up with what we've been up to. Because if God wants to bless us, how many know He also wants to bless you? Seriously, he doesn't play favorites. If he does things for us, he also wants to do things for you, but he wants you to journey with what we've been on as well. So I just want to just tell you a little bit of our blessing. Um, the first way that God blessed us was the weather. Can I say this? Yeah. We skipped winter. And, you know, in America and then going on into Europe and we were looking on the news and seeing that storms and states of emergency were being declared in the South Island and in Christchurch and Dunedin. And we just had such good weather, I want to tell you. <laughs> in, in America, we were high 30s to low 40s. You know, we got up to about 43 one day. And can, um, this is what I'm preaching about. How much do you and I value God's presence? And do you know when he's in the room? Do you know even when he's on you? Have you got, have you got that wired? Can we just have a look at a, a picture or two? This is the pool in the house that we were staying at. So we would go to, go to bed each night with a sleep, you know, after having had a, a swim and they're still in the high 30s degrees as we went to bed. Just really enjoying that. Next picture. It's a little bit blurred, but Bethel is, has acres as a church. They're kind of on top of a bit of a hill. Next picture. And here's Larissa just looking out. And that's what a lot of what we were in. There's a lot of land in America. It's amazing how much land they have. They, there are subdivisions, but even their subdivisions are spread out. Next. 
And, and, you know, Bethel has so much. We were blessed in, in the creativity that we saw. And this one is a picture of a surfer. He's not on there yet, but she's drawing the wave on the side. Just go to the next one as well. And I wonder if you can see this photo on the left here. It's half of an elephant. Someone, someone creatively has painted that in the midst of worship. And the other one is a, a, the other one is a, a, a dad and his daughter um, just hugging, and I can't actually picture what the third one is, can't, can't make it out. But we were blessed just so amazingly in that. William was blessed. His parents discovered some money in an account and bought him a guitar. I mean, how, how much of a blessing is that? To, to go, not only be in America, but to, to, to uh, get a new guitar. And we got to go with such good friends of ours. You know, um, Denise and Robert and Leanna, people that we've been journeying with all this time. It's just amazing. And some mentors of ours, uh, Morris and Miriam. And staff with Melissa going. And there was Larissa and there was Robert and, and Robin as well. And just to be traveling with these folks was just such an incredible time. And we got treated like royalty as a team. Um, you know, there were about a thousand people at the conference. And yet, um, Sandra and I and Morris and Miriam were invited to go to Bill's staff meeting, the senior pastor of the church, with Chris Vallotton and about 16 of his top team and there's Sandra and I and Morris and Miriam, and we're getting to talk with them and engage with them and, and sit there and thinking, there's a thousand people here. Why did we get selected to be able to be here? And it was summer break, and um, a lot of their staff were away, but 10 of their team took the time to come back and meet with us as a team and, and prophesy into our lives for over an hour just sit there and speak into our team of the things that they felt God was saying to us as a church together. And we had meetings with heads of their department um, like every day. There was just stuff um, available for just us from St. Albans to be able to go to. And in the first night, we're waiting with, I don't know, there was a thousand people eventually in the room, and we're waiting in these queues of people lining up, going around and around, you know, in the, in, well, around in the queue, walking slowly to get in, and someone texted us and said, don't worry, we've saved seats in the second row for you. We met a Kiwi who was on staff there, and they, they text us and say, oh, we're looking after you. You know, God, God just blesses. And, and the thing is, we are in Christ. So if we're in Christ, He directs our lives. And He decides whether it's prominence or whether it's the back row. And God just for some reason said, come on, St. Albans, I want to just absolutely bless you for the things that I want to show you when we're there. And you know what was really cool was Morris and I met a Kiwi and we got invited to watch the All Blacks Lions game. So we even saw that on the day that we were flying out. So there was so much blessing. But you know, the greatest blessing that I experienced in, in uh, Bethel was a revelation. And... When I went to Bethel, can we just go on another slide? Uh, here's some of the team out with a couple of Kiwis also um, who were part of the conference. Yeah, Create Church in Hamilton. Um, another one. So when we were there, there was just so much. There's a dancer there. They dance on just a side section of the stage and they paint just behind where they're actually dancing and then 
the full music team that are there. You've probably seen it all on TV many times. But when I was there and just experienced all of that and being in, in, the, in the prayer meetings that were there and, and the, um, the healing times that, that they had, I was just soaking up the presence of God and I suddenly, it, it just made sense to me, it just dawned um, powerfully on me that the manifest presence of God that I was experiencing in that week of being there at Bethel wasn't greater than the manifest presence of God that I have experienced at times right here. Now, get this in context. It used to be, if 20 years ago, we heard of healings and miracles and amazing supernatural things happening in Africa and Asia and Russia. We didn't hear about it in the Western world. And people would come back who had actually been the instruments that had laid hands on a little girl and seen deformity change and, and limbs come back to how they're supposed to be. And they would pray for a headache and get no breakthrough in New Zealand or in America. And some churches, Bethel is one of them, just said, this isn't how it should be. Obviously, things need to radically change. And, and they sought God and they began to see the things that would happen in the third world happened in secular Western society. And here I am in one of the breakthrough churches. And this realization that I believe is from God to me was that the anointing that I was experiencing there, the presence, the manifest presence of God in the meetings wasn't greater than how God has come here at times. And I just think back to the times when this was the old auditorium over a year ago, two years ago. And we went through a year in that time where for a year, the presence of God, every service was doing this. I can remember one, one service that was just flat or maybe went down. But for the rest of that time, God's presence just came and came. There were times when everything on the back of my neck was standing up and my spiritual antennae was kind of wow, there's more energy in this room than there are people to create that energy. There's more sound and volume of what's being said and, and sung and, and spoken than there are people to sing like that. Do you remember those times? And God's presence was here. And it went on and on and on. And you know, it was like I wanted to, I thought about it, I thought, I could go home now. I could, I could fly back to St. Albans and tell them the presence of God that we experience is the same presence of God that they experience. And then I thought, no, I won't. I'll just keep on going and go to Europe. But I wanted to tell you, I remember, I remember telling Morris this and, and talking about my, what I want to share from the word this morning with him about this, because this is stunning. But what I realized is that we don't necessarily recognize him or respect and honor him in the way that he's actually worth honoring. So the greatest blessing that I experienced out of going to Bethel was the knowledge that God has been coming just as strongly at times. Bethel see it just all the time. At times right here in our church. So I want to ask the question, why is it so important to recognize and value God's presence? And to answer that, I want to ask another question.
Why was Moses chosen by God? Why did God pick Moses? What was it about his life that God looked down and said, him? And I want to ask some questions about what it might have been. You know, Moses became incredibly, incredibly powerful and influential, just a man that's revered in his day. And then after he died, he just went up and up and up in people's sights. By the time Jesus actually came, the Pharisees, the scribes, it wasn't WWJD, what would Jesus do? It was, what would Moses say? WWMS. If there was ever a question, it was WWMS. And they'd go, Moses, da 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 da, Moses, Moses. He became this incredibly influential person. Why did God choose him, though? Was it because he was fearless? Not at all. Because he said, God, I can't even speak. And God had to eventually relent and allow his brother to become the mouthpiece for him. Was it because he was good looking? Well, if you search scripture, you'll find that that's never ever been a, a requirement or something that sets someone up. In fact, if you look at David and his brothers, the good looking ones, it was no, no, no. Is there anyone else? Was it because he was less sinful than all the other Hebrews of that day? Well, no. He's a murderer. In fact, if you take the scriptures out, written by murderers, out of the Bible, have a think of how much is left. No, it wasn't that he was not a sinful person, so he'd qualified himself in some way. Was it because he was raised in Pharaoh's home? No. Because the way the story pans out, any child could have been the one that God selected to get put into the basket at the right time when, when the princess was going down there and she, the child would be found and dad just loved that boy and want him in the home. And No, no, it wasn't for that reason. But it's a very important point because no slave with, a slave, with slave thinking, raised in slavery, with a slave mindset, would ever challenge a king or a pharaoh. It had to be someone raised in freedom, with the courage, the knowledge. And that's why, if we jump into our circumstance as Christians, that's why holding on to our renewed mind, I'd believe that. Why am I thinking this way again? Is so hard. Because we're raised as slaves and called royalty by God. And we have to learn to think like royalty. It's a good point. Was it because he was just faithful? He you know, might not have been a standout star, but he just faithfully held on to God. So because of his faithfulness, God would have selected him as the one that he's going to just raise and raise and raise and raise and give this amazing task to be able to do. Was he consistent in trusting God? Again, what's the answer? What's the answer? I, I, you can join me in my preaching. What's the answer? No. Not at all. He ran away from God for 40 years. He ran away from his destiny for 40 years. He ran into the wilderness. And, and, and he went and, um, and 
uh, took a wife from, from a tribe that weren't Israelites, probably a, uh, that shouldn't have taken place. And then his children, he didn't even use the, the symbol of Abraham, circumcision with his kids. And it almost cost him his life once God started to use him again because that hadn't actually happened. But Moses had just gone, forget it, and walked for 40 years. So it wasn't because he was the most faithful person on the earth. What was it that God looked and said, I choose him because of this. Well, I I just want to talk for a moment about predestination. You know, God has the advantage of of living outside of time, right? Time's linear. God doesn't live in linear. He lives in eternity. He lives in this, either you could picture it as a a U or a circle, but way above, but he can look down and he can see beginning and middle and end. And and he can look at someone like Moses and, and he can look at all of us because of predestination. See, I don't believe predestination means that God creates some people to do bad things and some people to do good things, so God's predestined it. No, I think God knows what we are going to, in free will, choose to do because he stands outside of time and he looks at the end back on a person's life and he knows how Moses is going to respond in certain situations and he goes, you. You know, I want to suggest that the answer to why God chose Moses that he, possibly singly in his nation, recognized and valued and embraced the presence of God. When everyone else said, that's fine, God, but I don't want that. When a sliding doors type moment happened, where history could change, it could spin, and what was supposed to happen in going this way, Moses, in the sliding door moment, might make the other choice and take everyone that way, which might affect even our being here today. Because he knew, from the perspective of eternity, what Moses would choose. He said, Moses, you're the person. Do you, know, do you remember the movie Sliding Doors? It's, it's like this. In the movie, there's a guy and there's a girl, and he's standing on the, on the um, platform, uh, like a platform here, and the train comes in, and, and the doors are closed, and they look at each other, and there's an attraction. Ping, you look good. And she's thinking, you look good. And, and it all depends on whether the door's open as to whether they will meet. And the movie goes through two scenarios. One where the door opens, he goes in, he gets to talk to her, eventually a relationship happens, and then they go back and they redo it again where for some reason the door's jam and it doesn't open and within a couple of minutes she's gone and they never have the chance to meet again in their life. And his life, instead of going this way, goes this way. And what I'm talking about today is a sliding doors moment where Moses, if he'd chosen the other choice, would have affected history. And this is what happened. In Exodus chapter 33, verses 1 to 3, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and all the people with with you brought up, and all the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give you this land, this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. 
Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel with you. Um, the NIV says, I will not go with you. I, I'm just, I'm out, God is saying. For you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. So we've come to this amazing point where God's been doing all this stuff, bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. They're at Sinai. They've been up on Moses and God have been up on the mountain. And suddenly God's saying, I'll send an angel, but I'm not going. I'm out of this. And if I do go, you may not even get there. And if Moses had not valued and respected the presence of God, seriously, history would change. The context, as I said, is Moses has been um, up the mountain for a long time. And he and God have been having these long and detailed conversations about many things. You can go back to about chapter 19. There's 13 or so chapters of God and Moses, and God's just really detailed. It's got to be this, this, and this. He's got all these details of how he wants Moses to come down and to, and to uh, what he's to build for him. But you know, it's not just that. Because if you've been involved in a time when God has manifested his presence in a meeting, you'll know that time gets stretched and, and contracted at the same time. God just upsets it. It's like when eternity touches time, things change. And you can be in a meeting where the presence of God will fall, and you think, wow, that's so good. That's been five minutes. And you get out of it and you think, that was 40 minutes. Where did that time go? It's why when God manifests his presence in revival somewhere around the world, meetings can go on for five hours or six hours or ten hours. And eventually people that are running the meetings often have to go, go home. Go to your, go home. And the people are saying, why? It's only just begun. (laughs) Have you experienced this? The stretching of time when God comes into a room, manifests himself in some way. You know, I remember when we had a meeting in the lounge with John Ferguson, and he'd just preached, and then Sandra got up and we began to sing, and there were about 60 of us in the room. Some of you would have been amongst that 60. And, and I remember looking around and, and uh, seeing not 40 people engaged with God, not, not um, 59 people engaged with God, but 60 people just lost, just, just caught up in, in connection and communion with the living God. And I remember thinking, whatever you do, John, don't stop this. Just, just don't wreck it. And when we eventually, it, it came to its natural conclusion, I was thinking, man, that's been five or ten minutes. And we looked at our watches, and, and it was 40-plus minutes. And we're sitting there thinking, where did the time go? Because, you know, being in the presence of God is the most fantastic thing. When God manifests his presence, you're ruined for normality. The normal just doesn't cut it anymore when God manifests his presence, whether you're by yourself or whether you're in a whole crowd of people. So Moses and God are having this great time. God's talking to him a lot, but I think time got that effect on it as well. 
And the people have turned their back on God and they've created an idol in the image of a golden calf and they've started to party and there's a lot of immorality and over a million people are basically in party mode out of control. But if you go back to chapter 19, the people had already rejected God's presence earlier. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse 6 it says, And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation, This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Does that sound a little bit like the New Testament? Called to be a kingdom of priests? The whole nation back then were called to be priests also, not just the Levites, not just Moses and the Levites, but everyone was called to interact with the presence of God. Maybe not to the degree that Moses was, because in the Bible it says Moses would speak to God just face to face, like someone we'd speak to wife, husband, son. But the whole nation were called to do this, but the people rejected it. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 18, it says, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast from the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance trembling with fear, and they said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen, but don't let God speak to it directly to us, or we will die. So twice now, these people have said no to the presence of God. Hey, look, I've been in meetings when the presence of God has come. And God will manifest in different ways. I remember a situation where we were praying for a lady in another church. And uh, a Solomon Island woman came into the room. And this lady's eyes suddenly became demonic. And she spotted her, and the closer she got to her, the more she manifested. It's the presence of God. It's in that fire, fire, noisy description we just read about. You see, God is always our home and our delight, but he's not always safe in our definition of safe. So sometimes he will come, like we saw today, in a soft, gentle anointing. Of, of peace because he's the prince of peace yeah. but when he needs to he knows how to come and cast demons from people yeah. and this woman Solomon Island woman a strong Christian came forward and we'd been getting nowhere praying for this other, other lady and she came forward and she addressed the lady and the spirit started to speak back and all of a sudden the atmosphere you could feel it from front to back whether anyone knew it was happening or not the atmosphere instantly changed in the room of just, of just this presence but authority and power. I watched Christians run for the door. I watched Bible college lecturers, a lecturer, run for the door. I watched other Christians, wow, what's going on? What is God up to? And I watched a lady get set free. And no amount of weak prayer and ongoing counseling could do what God did in an instant in that woman's life. Because the presence of God is so absolutely cool. So my question is, do do you know God's presence? Do you value God's presence? Do you love when he's in the room? Do you seek that he would come upon you? And want to and want to um, have his presence explode all around you. 
And Moses knows that when God says he's not coming with them, it's a critical moment. Now consider what's on offer here for Moses. Moses is old. I mean old, old. Old, 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 old. Anyone got the right age for him? He's 120-ish, 40, 80, probably 120 plus at this stage. He's leading millions of people and frankly it's a hassle. So many moans and problems with very few rewards. And God is saying, Moses, I'll still get you there. Think of this. He's saying to him, Moses, I promised Abraham and his kids that have this land. I will get you there. And Moses will be thinking, possibly this will be an easier route. I mean, taking an angel with you instead of God might be less hassle. The angel probably won't be so much of a problem as God will be. And Moses will still look good. And the mission will be accomplished and the accolades will come his way. It's a genuine offer that God's giving to Moses. He's elderly, he'll die soon. Why doesn't he just take the deck chair and the cruise? But Moses knows something about the the manifest presence of God that most of us don't know. And that's when God's presence is manifest. He is here. The King, the Lord, the Master, the one we said yes to, is right here when He manifests His presence. And to reject God's presence is to reject the Lord and Master Himself. Here's a thought for you. It also means that when God shows up, All the resources of heaven are in the room. We just don't know how to access them by faith. Because remember, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. You have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of the people. And this was coming to me as as I've been uh, in Bethel and post-Bethel and coming back here. The king is in the room with all the resources of heaven for his people. You know, it's possible to die of starvation with a million dollars in the bank. If we don't know how to make withdrawals from the benevolence of what is in our bank account, it's a whole other series. I shouldn't go on to this, but we have an inheritance of everything. If we read the Bible, we've got an inheritance of everything. And the king comes into the room in a manifest way at times. Look, it's great to have that. I believe God is with me. I'm going to take life on stance. But isn't it just even amazingly better when it's, God, you're right here. (laughs) By your spirit, you're right here, Lord. Lord, I've got cancer. But you're right here. God, how do people get healed of that sort of stuff? Maybe it's to do with recognizing, valuing as sacred, and asking our father, our our papa, our dad, for what we actually need in those moments. So here it is anyway. Exodus 33. One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. 
but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. So obviously there was a few days gap in, in the first conversation I read. You have told me, God, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you, i.e. Moses. If it's true, Moses said, that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. When the people made the golden calf and God says, actually, Moses, it's over. You've got to go down the hill and sort this out. He was saying to Moses, your people that you brought out of Egypt. And now Moses is coming back to God and saying, if I've got favor with you, please remember, it's not my people. These are your people. <laughs> and the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And then Moses tries a second time and he said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you. I'm going to do it for everyone, because I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. So why is the manifest presence of God important? Because God's presence is God himself. It's not an angel carrying a little bit of perfume from God. It's God coming into the room. It's a person. The king and the resources of the king are in the room. So do you know when he's here? The Bible says we're to train our senses to discern good and evil, but we're to train them in so many ways. Do you know when he's here? Can you sense him? He's not human, so unless Jesus personally materializes, we won't see him in form like you and I. We won't see him with our eyes. I remember John Wimber in 1987. I went, he came to New Zealand for the first time and I went to a conference that he was running and he, he got some people up on stage and he prayed for them and as the presence of God came, they began to manifest uh, shaking and wobbling and jumping and noise and we all, as good Kiwis, sat there And John got up after about 10 minutes and he says, if we were in Africa now, the crowd in Africa would have gone ballistic. He didn't use that word, but he said, recognizing that the God of heaven was in the room. But as Western people, see, we'd be really happy almost if angels turned up and we could physically see that they looked like what we thought they looked like and We'd be in awe. But God comes and he's not human, although Jesus is human, carries that form. And we go, hmm. Can you recognize his presence when he's on a worship leader? 
and see the anointing just flowing over their lives and spilling out. I just want to encourage you, friends, to get to know God's presence. The New Testament tells us we're to host him. The Christian life is simply to listen and obey and do what he says. And what he did was he came on Jesus and he came in a, as a dove. And, and John the Baptist would know that Jesus was the one when he saw the one that the, the dove came on and remained. And he wants to remain on us in that way as well. Yeah. We're to learn when he's powerfully working upon our lives. We're to learn the nuances of him. And he's always good. He's always good. Yeah. He's not always safe. He doesn't always do things by our rules. But when we come on board with him, we will find he's always good. Can we pray? Father, I want to thank you that you have been here at SABC so powerfully, Lord, in the past. But I do repent, Lord, and I, I just say sorry that I didn't recognize times when you've come as being as significant as they are as real as they are, as full as they are. I'm sorry for that, Lord. When you show up, God, I just, I just want to hang around you. I want to be where you are. I, I don't want to do my thing or run programs, Lord. I want you. And I pray that as a church, Lord, you would help us to recognize you, to honor you, to value you, to love you. I ask you, Lord, to just keep working in us and to come again in those powerful ways that make all the difference to our Christian walk. Amen. 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 Just close with this thought. It won't be what we know or how eloquently we speak that will change things in the world around us. What will mark us, the Bible says, is his presence overflowing from us.